What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 87 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm hanging out with marriage and family therapist Heather Turgeon. Thanks for listening today. I just uh, appreciate you taking some time out of your day to check out the show. Adult Education is a fun project for me that I do out of the love of conversation and learning. If you want to support me or the show, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. I know most of you listen via Spotify. Those five stars are huge on Spotify. If you're using a platform that allows a review, please share a few words if you have a second. That also really helps the podcast algorithm gods know which show they want to push out to some new listeners. Now, at the time I'm recording this, I'm running on about three hours of sleep. My daughter has been playing this game recently where she likes to go to sleep at her normal bedtime, which is about seven o'clock at night. But she wakes up an hour or two later and she's ready to party. It's almost like her brain doesn't recognize that it's nighttime and she treats it as a little nap. So she was up from about eight o'clock until midnight last night. And uh, I get up around three o'clock in the morning for work. Needless to say, this episode on sleep is something that I'm very desperate to learn more about. I had a chance to speak with marriage and family therapist Heather Turgeon. She recently published a book with Julie Wright. It's called Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. Now, this book isn't going to solve my issues with my 16-month-old daughter, but I do find the information to be just absolutely fascinating, and it breaks so many things apart that we thought we knew about teenagers in high school. I remember being in high school and having hours of homework each night, coupled that with after-school programs and sports practices, and sleep kind of ended up falling down the priority ladder. But that was okay, right? Like, People always treated high schoolers like they were invincible and didn't need the rest. Now, I don't know about your experience, but I wanted sleep. I fell asleep in class all the time, and sometimes I'd even fall asleep on the bus. Now, to put that into perspective, my ride home on the bus was about 10 minutes. Pretty sure I was the first stop on the bus. So to fall asleep in that window, that takes some serious talent or some serious exhaustion. Heather and Julie point out new research that shows tweens and teens go through a sort of regression where they actually need just about as much sleep as toddlers do, but we don't think of it that way. It's really interesting and it shows how we don't help our kids the way they need it by blocking them down with all kinds of work and early school start times. Now, before we jump into this conversation, just a reminder to hit those five stars for adult education. I really appreciate your support. And we're also on Instagram at Adult Education Podcast. Hi there. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes. Happy to be here. Oh, I can actually, oh, for the first time I'm, I can, there. Hey, there we go. Not everybody's comfortable with the cameras. So I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to like. Freak no, out. I actually prefer it, but only when, you know, we're both on camera. Otherwise sure. it's weird. <laughs> I, you know, I totally agree. And it's one of the weirdest things for me because some people are just very anti-video. So I always log in with the mm -hmm. expectation that we'll both be on video. And then I feel awkward turning mine off if it's already right. on when somebody, so I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, do I stare at a blank camera for the entire time? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah, it is weird, but it, yeah, I think I, I prefer to see people. I think it always helps. I agree. And I don't record the video for these. I just think the audio right. sounds better and I like to see people. So I, yeah. I try to like, don't, don't put makeup on, don't do a background. I don't care. It's just you and I talking. It's fine. I'm, in, I'm, I'm on board with that. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Heather, uh, such a pleasure to talk to you. I have been diving into this book and I know that your book, Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. 
is about teens and tweens, but do you have anything for a 16-month-old that's driving me insane right now because I cannot handle her anymore? Absolutely, because we have our first book is The Happy Sleeper, which is newborn to school age. And we that's where we we've been working with families with babies and little kids for for many, many years. So we could talk forever about a 16-month-old. Well, that's my next book that I have to purchase because upon reading okay. this, I've learned more about your previous work as well. So I know I have to go get that book. But my daughter oh, yeah. has gone through, and I don't want to derail this because I want to talk about this particular book, but I just need your opinion on one thing. She's gone through, like, she used to be great where I could like lay her down in her crib at bedtime, 7 o'clock-ish at night, and she'd kind of you know rustle around a little bit and then fall asleep. The last week and a half, it's like an hour or two hours of blood curdling screams when it's bedtime. And then Mm -hmm. eventually she will fall asleep for like an hour and then it's more of that. And she needs to be like soothed for the rest of the night. I don't know why this switch happened or where it came from, but it's what we're at. Yeah. It's, it is interesting though. I think because um, we assume that sleep gets better and better, but the thing is that, that babies get smarter and smarter and they have bigger and bigger opinions. (laughs) So sometimes sleep can go the opposite direction and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, because a toddler has pretty specific opinions and big feelings about things. So it's, um, it's, but that's what the happy sleeper that we have a technique called the sleep wave, which is a way of laying down a new pattern or reintroducing an old pattern of falling asleep independently and having a consistent response, um, but changing, changing habits. So the sleep wave technique is what, what you would want to use that's in the happy sleeper. I'll be checking out the book for sure. And it's interesting to hear you say, you know, when uh, toddlers have very specific feelings, they have strong opinions and they are going through so much physical change at that age. And there is a point where like, sure, every child is going through physical change, but there is a point where the change isn't as drastic, but then it seems to come back in around adolescence. And that's where this book seems to pick back up. So it's interesting how, it's almost like toddlers and teenagers have very similar patterns here. Yeah, that's ex- I was I just was thinking like it, you know adolescence is almost like a second toddlerhood when you think about the the just the drastic this this chapter of drastic brain development um because yes we all know that little kids are going through a big you know you know a large amount of development and their brains are changing a lot and it happens again when they become teenagers because the brain is being remodeled in a way that's making it this very like fast supercomputer brain that's really highly integrated and um, the prefrontal cortex is undergoing a lot of um, pruning which makes it very strong and very fast Um, and that happens during sleep so the sleep needs of a teenager go up again when, you know, they, so a lot of teens could sleep. Like if you bring a teenager into the lab and allow them to sleep as much as they want, some will sleep for 12 hours, no problem. And that's because they actually have a high, high need for sleep. But that's not the impression that we have for teenagers. Like the impression is that they want to stay up all night. They don't want to sleep. They don't need it. They're fine. They're young. When did this misconception start to take place? Like, how did we get to a point where we just totally disregard things like the science and just say, ah, teenagers are fine? I would say that um, the findings that teenagers need more sleep and that their brains are going through this new wave of development are, they're kind of recent. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the last 10, 20 years is when we really, I, I would say even in the last really 10 years is when it's been very highly appreciated how important sleep is to the growing brain. Um, But the problem is that early on, you know, high school schedules were set 
to start high school start times were very early because when schools needed to tier bus systems and put kids on the same bus and kind of cycle the buses through, people figured, you know, teenagers don't need as much sleep. Uh, they can get up in the dark and go wait for the bus in the dark. So it wasn't until the 90s that we understood that the brain clock of a teenager is shifted later. So they they cannot wake up in the dark without suffering. And so it's kind of like once the science came in, these practices around uh, teenagers having a lot of homework and having really early start times were already there. And it's been really hard to roll them back, even though we know it's not healthy. Yeah, and I've been reading over the years that some districts in some places have decided to make some later start times, but I know that's a very few places in comparison to how many high schools there are out there. Uh, so it's interesting to see some adopting that and the others being very steadfast and saying, no, this is where we're at and we're staying here. People actually have big um, reactions to when, when you suggest this, because some, some will say like, you know, don't coddle these teenagers and don't don't, you know, you're catering to them. They, they should tough it out. I was just talking to some uh, parents in a very competitive school district. And it was kind of like they, the parents work on Wall Street and they're kind of like, we got to get our teens on, on board already to be waking up early and everything. So there's almost a, an anger towards teenagers in that way, where it's like they should be tougher and we should teach them to be sleep deprived almost. <laughs> It's really weird um, and it's really unhealthy for them. Then other, other places, it's really becoming much more accepted and understood. So in California, for example, we have starting in the fall, um, high schools cannot start earlier than 8.30 wow. in this whole state of California, which is awesome. I'd be very jealous of that. I know I was in early high school and I remember my, both my parents worked too. So if I wanted to get a shower in in the morning, I had to get up before both of them because they yeah. got to sleep in late. So I would be getting up at like 5.50 and 5.30 just to get a shower and then catch the bus at 6.45. I mean, it was, right. I remember those those times being very difficult in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And being an athlete in high school too. So you had the after yeah. school practices. Like there were nights where it was like five hours of sleep was a really successful night. And now reading the research, it's like, man, I was really hurting myself yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, so many teens are. And all those things you just mentioned are that it's like the perfect storm that we describe in the book which is the early high school start time, the academic overload, which is just increasing, yeah. you know, even though we know that over an hour of homework per night for a high schooler does not help them cognitively. It doesn't help them be smarter. It doesn't help them, you know, at all to have more than an hour of homework, but the average high schooler will have three hours of homework a night. Um, and then, you know, uh, athletics on top of that. And we, we love talking to sports coaches because, you know, professional athletes really take care of their sleep. Like if you look at, you know, LeBron James and how much care he takes of his sleep, high school athletes should be doing the same and the coaches should be helping them do that because it's so good for your athletic performance to get good sleep. And it's, it's interesting too. That, you know, the, again, the mindset has been like, oh, well, kids will cram for a test. They'll stay up all night. They can study. They can cram and remember all that information. But it's actually the complete opposite. The longer you stay mm -hmm. up, the less sleep you have, the harder yeah. it is for your brain to retain that information. Is this the hippocampus? I I know the, the, the term, but I'm trying to make sure I'm associating mm -hmm. it with the right part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, the hippocampus is the, you know, area of the brain that helps you take in short-term information and translate it into long-term information. And it really doesn't work well when you're sleep deprived, it kind of goes offline. So you might be able to cram for a test and spit it back out the next morning if the 
test doesn't involve much creative thinking and you just really have to like regurgitate a bunch of facts, you might be able to do it, but um, you definitely will not remember it the next week or <laughs> month later. You're like, what did I learn? I have no idea because your hippocampus wasn't really encoding that information into long-term memory. I kind of feel like I was ahead of the game because in college when all my friends would be staying up super late and doing this whole cramming thing, I would, I'd get to a point where I just go, well, I've got what I got and I'm going to get some sleep and be rested for this test. And, yeah. you know, and I did fairly well. I did all right, you know, mm -hmm. in, in school. And I, I feel like I was ahead of the game without knowing any of the research because I was actually mm -hmm. thinking the same thing. I was like, I'm not going to remember this. Like, what's the point of stuffing all this stuff into my brain for one hour of my life? Like, I might as well just yeah. get some sleep and see what happens. Yep. It definitely, it's it's better to get a good night's sleep for the most part. It's better to get a good night's sleep than to cram and stay up late. What's also kind of interesting to me is over the last couple of years with the pandemic in particular, you've heard a lot of parents really start to talk about mental health of their children. And the mm -hmm. pandemic has posed so many different challenges for kids, no matter how old they are, uh, you know, being out of school, being away from their friends, being away from their activities. Uh, and so the mental health thing has taken a new hold, but at the same time, it's like certain aspects of mental health. Like sleep is not something that gets talked about, but God right. forbid you take away that after school activity from my child. And now it's a, so it's interesting the things that we grab onto as adults and parents yeah. and other things we just say, ah. I think that's so true. And sleep is like a foundational, I think of it like air and water and nutrition and exercise. But yes, we don't really think about it when it comes to mental health. And a, a high schooler said to me recently, you know, my high school keeps having these seminars on, on mental health. They keep having these, they, they teach me meditation practices and breathing, and they tell me not to stress out. And then they give me five hours of homework. So it's like, you know, we can't just, you know, we can't just give kids breathing tools and, you know, tell them to go see, you know, the school psychologist without addressing the underlying fundamental basics of, and sleep is, is just, it's absolutely front and center in mental health. It just changes the entire picture when you sleep well. It can really, really turn things around. And it plays a big factor into so many things like uh, depression, suicide. I mean, it can be, it can come into so many aspects of mental health and just health in general. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think uh, it, like ADHD in some cases, you know, for sure. I mean, kids can test uh, for, you know, po I don't know if test positive is the way you phrase mm -hmm. that, but they can test for ADHD, but maybe getting a good night of sleep could also help reduce some of those symptoms as well. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true. In fact, good sleep is basically implicated in every psychological disorder you could ever, you know, it, it's implicated in everything. So when you don't sleep well, you're at a neurochemical level, your stress, your stress is raised. Um, the regions of your brain that help you sort and make sense of things and soothe, you know, the, the frontal cortex helps soothe you and give you perspective on things and help you think, you know, and pause and kind of reconsider that part of the brain is not active and, you know, as active when you're sleep deprived. So your emotional brain is overactive when you're sleep deprived. So the emotional brain gets, you know, is um, in charge basically. So anxiety and depression go up. A sleep deprived brain tends to see the world through a more negative lens. Sure. Think of it like mood music behind you, you know, like a, like in a movie, is it, is it hopeful upbeat music or is it, a filter that you have of kind of like hopelessness or frustration. So a sleep deprived brain skews more towards that hopelessness and frustration um, and sadness. 
Let's talk a little bit about sleep debt because there's been a common phrase and adults even use this too, but the idea of like, oh, I've had a busy week, but you know what? I'll make it up over the weekend. Can you actually make it up? You can't make it up in the sense that if you are sleep deprived from Monday to Friday, let's say you're a high schooler who's, you know, would like to sleep nine hours or eight and a half hours, but you sleep six and a half, which is the average high schooler at this point. So you're going from Monday through Friday with your body in a state of stress and your, your, you know, your, the regulation pathways in your brain are not getting, you know, they're not integrating as well. And you're, you're suffering at a mental and physical level through those five days. When you get to Saturday and you sleep for 10 hours, yes, you're going to feel good. Like it is, it is a good feeling and you do have a good night's sleep on Saturday on, you know, Friday or Saturday night. Um, but you don't, you can't go back in time and undo that stress that your body was under. And when you sleep in on the weekends, you also put yourself into a state of jet lag. Yeah. We call it social jet lag. So you basically, you've confused your brain clock. So in the short term, it's good. You know, you feel good on Sunday morning. You're like, oh, I'm so well rested. I slept for 11 hours. <laughs> like kids will, teenagers will sleep for 11 hours, wake up on Sunday morning. Like I feel great but they can't fall asleep on Sunday night. And now they're extra sleep deprived for Monday. There was so much great information in this book, but the social jet lag thing was like that light bulb. When I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that explains so many issues. Like the idea of like the Sunday scaries, uh, just, you know, just trouble getting active again for the week. Like why people hate Mondays. Like so many things came from that social mm -hmm. jet lag. That I was like, man, that ties into so many aspects of our life. And yeah. I've never heard someone put it that way before. Mm -hmm. And having just flown from California back to uh, the East Coast a few days ago, that is exactly what it is. It's jet lag. Yeah, <laughs> it's jet lag. And yeah, it is like teenagers fly cross country every weekend when they do that. You know, they 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 confuse their brains every weekend. And um, one of the best ways to counteract that is to wake up within an hour or two if you're very sleep deprived, but ideally one hour of your weekday wake up time and go outside. So even if you're in you know, a part of the country where the sun is not strong, the sun through the clouds is much stronger than your home light. So it's really important to get outside and get five to 10 minutes of just outdoor time when you first wake up, because that really keeps your brain on the current time and it keeps it in sync. And isn't that where you kind of get your body making melatonin as well through the sunshine that you get? You get sunshine, which actually, you know, activates your cortisol levels. We think of cortisol is like a stress hormone, but it's an alerting hormone too. And it helps you wake up. So when you see morning sun, it, it sets your brain clock to go, okay, this is morning. Now I'm going to get ready for nighttime to come. So it, it does help your melatonin rise later that, that night when you want to go to sleep. So it's, um, it's everything. And it's why this daylight saving time legislation is so uh, dangerous, because if we shift over into those very dark mornings that would come with permanent daylight saving time, 9.30 a.m. is when the sun's going to come up mm. in certain parts of the country. So no morning sun will be very, very hard on the brain. 
I was thinking about that legislation too. And I, I chose the wrong career path for someone who wants to get sleep because I do morning radio. So I wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day. It's never light when I wake up, unless I were to take a job in say Alaska, then there's a few days where it's always light, I think mm. during the year. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I'm just used to waking up in the middle of the night and, and mm-hmm. when it's dark out. But I, the more I read more information about sleep, the more I think, man, I really have to change my career because I have to get yeah. more sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's like shift work, right? You're yeah. it's like being an ER doctor or, you know, driving a truck or other things that require you to be off this off the cycle of night and day, the sun and sun sunrise and sunset. It's taxing on the body. Um So where do where do naps fit in or do naps fit in here? Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about nine hours of sleep. I mean, is, is it nine hours of consistent sleep or are you talking about nine? Cause I think about like my, my toddler, for example, they'll say she needs to get about 13 or 14 hours of sleep a day. She's not a great sleeper at night. So she'll sleep for like maybe seven hours. Well, now I got to figure out where I'm going to get those other like six or seven hours in the middle of the day to get that going. Mm-hmm. But like, so uh, for a teenager, if you say nine hours, if they get six and a half at night, but take like a, an hour nap when they get home from school, is that, helping in that process or does a nap hurt it could help but mostly we try to get teenagers to shift more sleep we'd rather have teens sleeping a regular eight hours every night sure because um if they nap it really disrupts their their nighttime sleep and it's very hard to have a regular napping pattern like if you're you know spanish let's say and you sleep less at night and you always take a siesta it's like a, a regular pattern that your body learns and it works. Yeah. If you're a teenager who's sleep deprived and no one is supporting you to take a regular nap, it's just something that happens because you're in class and you fall asleep <laughs> or you come home and you fall asleep. That's not a planned regular nap schedule. That's more like I can't even be, I'm asleep on the bus because I'm so tired and now I'm asleep. So napping is totally fine, but it's actually better to keep to stay awake all day long and to really at least get that eight hours of sleep every night, that would be better. So traditionally, we've talked about this already. Traditionally, you've got high schools that start fairly early in the morning. So you're getting up when it's dark and you have to get active right when it's dark. You've got after school activities. You get, you know, hours of homework given to you on average. How do you, maybe as a teenager and as a parent, how do you foster a sense of getting to go to sleep on time. I mean, there's so much mm-hmm. responsibility for a kid. Let's talk from a parent's mm-hmm. standpoint, I guess. From a parent's standpoint, how do you help your child know, mm-hmm. A, sleep is super important, and B, help mm-hmm. them get to that point where they can go to bed and feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, so I think it's this is where high schools really have to step up and limit homework. So an over an hour of homework a night is not helpful to teenagers. So starting to talk about that limiting homework in high school is a huge thing and adjusting, you know, sports practices and stuff so that you can have shorter practices that are better timed and more efficient because when you have well-rested athletes, your practices are more efficient. Um, I feel like it's, it's kind of part of like every, every piece of the puzzle, um, sports coaches and high school teachers and principals need to start having conversations about how to support teenagers in um, making it even possible for them, like mathematically possible for them to get good sleep. And then in the home, what we have in the book is a lot of, we have a lot of suggestions for high schools and sports teams, but we also have a lot of habits for families. And the first step is kind of to to tap into your teen self-motivation because as they get older, you can't just tell them what to do. They have to feel it within, you know, they have to be interested in, in, 
um, sleeping well. So you kind of, you have to be a good listener. That's what we help parents do is listen and actively um, look for a place to open the conversation based on something that the team cares about. And sleep affects everything in our lives so that you can always find something, whether it's a basketball player who wants to get more sleep because the growth hormone is secreted during sleep. So lots of kids wants to want to grow taller and have, you know, more muscles and stuff like that, that is helped by sleep. So listening to what your teens care about is really important. It's kind of like what you said before about like LeBron James, and I've heard this about him before. His sleep is so vastly important to how he's stayed healthy and how even at this mm -hmm. age, he's still performing at a very high right. level. Um, and, and so many athletes are like that. I, it's funny. I work with I work in country radio and my friends will joke like, what's the backstage like? And I'm like, nowadays it's green juice and a lot of vegetables and people going <laughs> to sleep after the show. These people, yeah. whether they're athletes or artists, they understand the value of keeping their body in tip top shape. You don't have mm -hmm. the people that I mean, some do, but you don't have the same, you know, mental aspect of like, wow, the basketball game's over. Let's go party at the club. That doesn't happen nowadays. Like mm -hmm. these guys get it. It's so important right. too, for them to share that message and say like, yeah. well, this is so I wouldn't be here where I am today without this. So you kids, like you coaches, like you have to foster this. Right. I think that's so true. And I think professional musicians and athletes get it, but high school, high schoolers are still suffering mm -hmm. when they should be, you know, high school athletes should get that benefit as well. And it's funny too, how us as adults, the collective us still look at things like, well, if I had to do it, then you have to do it too. You know, from the homework and the getting up early kind of thing. It's like, well, maybe we know more, maybe we know more now. Like my, my wife is actually a teacher and she teaches middle school, but she, most of the homework they give the kids, they have time to do in school. So her kids yeah. rarely take homework home. And at one point I asked her about that. So that's interesting. And she's like, well, we've learned through all these studies that it doesn't really benefit them right. for us to bog right. them down and make them carry nine books home every day just to do homework. There's no benefit to that. They're more apt to do it and understand it if they're in a learning environment like the school where they can ask questions if they're stuck. And I was like, wow, that's so brilliant. Why haven't we been mm -hmm. doing that forever? It makes so much sense, right? Yeah. It just makes so much sense that there's no reason that school should just continue after you leave school. It, it doesn't make sense. I have a middle schooler and luckily it's the same. His teachers seem to be understanding that just like, you know, your wife is saying, he comes home with most of his homework already done and doesn't have, doesn't bring home a lot. So it gives him the ability to have downtime. Well, Heather, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know you're on a tight schedule today, but the book is called Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. Is there a place people can go if they want to find out more information about this book or about yourself and the work that you do? So the Generation Sleepless, the new book is available everywhere. And um, our website and social media is The Happy Sleeper. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the name of our book that you should read. Yes, for I'm your, getting it right after one. going on Amazon right after this conversation. Great. <laughs> Heather, Let thank me you know so how much. That goes. Okay. I will. I will. I appreciate you. This is great. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you to Heather Turgeon for her time. We were discussing her new book, Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. Now, this book is available now, and I'd suggest it to any parent with kids in this age range. I'm certainly going to hold on to my copy for when my daughter gets there. Uh, also, in the conversation, we talked about her first book called The Happy Sleeper. I did, in fact, purchase it, and I'm working on reading it now, so I'll let you know what I find out from that. Thank you to all of you for listening this and every week. I appreciate you. Until next time, be well.